Welcome to the Manuscript Academy podcast, episode four, a conversation with Linda Camacho. I'm Julie Kingsley. And I'm Jessica Sinsheimer. Uh, welcome, Linda. We're so glad you're here. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me. So, Linda, oh, tell yeah. us the story. I kind of fell into publishing after college. I was lucky enough to get a job at Penguin, and I got really lucky. I met this HR person, and I was connected from uh, this alum from Cornell, which is where I went. And so I originally applied for an editorial job because that's like the job that pretty much everyone applies for. And of course, when I was going to go in for the interview, they said, ooh, sorry, that was taken, but we have this other job, and it was reprints. I had no idea what it was, and I was like, yeah. Sounds perfect. So I was really lucky. I went into the interview, basically got it almost on the spot, and promptly decided that I hated the job about like a week, <laughs> a week into it. Oh, no. And I had, I, I, it was, it was, mm, it was boring <laughs> for me. You know, I think there's some people who are built for production, and production is very different in it, in the initials. You know, the the front list. I did very backlist stuff, which is basically. Anything that has ever been printed, it just keeps coming out and out, and you literally maybe you know change the ISBN or had a comma. It is really, and we had hundreds of titles a month, and so just after a point for me, it was quite tedious. So it was my first job out of college, and I was like, well, my supervisor was about twenty-seven at the time, so she was really young, and she said, you know, I always wanted to go to law school, and I said, me too, like everybody <laughs> else, and so I quit promptly, like about barely a year in because <laughs> I was determined I was going to go to law school and it was going to be Harvard. I don't know why. Don't know why. Um, I took the LSAT. You know, thank God for my parents. And I did like these small jobs on the side to just make a few bucks. But, you know, I tried to study and I just did dismally <laughs> on the test. And so in the end, I missed publishing. And so it's just, you know, I'm not going to apply to law school. I'm going to get back into publishing because it was so easy the first time. <laughs> and, then it was about, and that was about 2008. Uh oh. So uh, not so lucky. I think I hit, in the grand scheme of things, maybe 40 interviews before I was able to get back in. And then from that, it wound up being internships. So I did it backwards. I got the job first, left it for internships. So I just wound up taking any job that they would give me. So I rotated in basically every department. I was doing, like, I was at Dorchester, which was this tiny press, then Random House, Simon and Schuster. Writer's House Literary Agency, and eventually, thank God, Random House hired me on the children's side and marketing. And then that's where I was for five years before. I was still trying to get into editorial. <laughs> but then I realized after Writer's House that, ooh, agenting is a thing maybe I would like to do. But, you know, I took the first job, which was Random House, and loved it. But it just wasn't creative enough for me. So thank God I was able to slide in. So I've been doing agenting for about almost two years. So it's been... 11 years of trying to get here. <laughs> yeah. I also love how in our last interview as well, we were talking with Amanda She about how it just isn't this instant thing. She had five internships before she got like the job. And yeah. I think a lot of people think that it's this thing where it's like you show up in New York, you take a taxi from the airport to Simon & Schuster, and <laughs> then you just kind of like are like, hello, I would like HR, please. Oh, if only. <laughs> if only. <laughs> Oh, I harassed every HR person. It did not work like that. <laughs> not at all. No. And it's so bizarre, too, because I have these brilliant interns who I'm like, oh, everyone's going to want to hire them. And then it doesn't always happen. And I have some that are OK and they're hired right away. It's, it's magic. So it's magic it really, sometimes. I think so. It's a lot of 
pretty much like writing and publishing. It's just luck of the draw half the time. Because I see a lot of people who really, <laughs> you know, you get these brilliant people who don't get hired, and then you see these, again, these not so brilliant people who slide right in without a problem. So well, that was that not the me. Story? Isn't that the story of, of, that- of all writers and all creatives yeah. in this industry that it's a windy path and you never know where you're going to hit your sweet spot? Exactly. You know? And oh, actually, that, that, that hardens me, that, that you folks on the other side, you know, of the desk and, the, and, you know, the slush pile and everything else go through what the writers go through as well, but we never talk about it. <laughs> you want us to suffer too. <laughs> I know. Well, we do. We suffer. <laughs> we do. You just don't see it. And there aren't yeah, exactly. as many of us, so it's not as loud of a collective like, oh gosh, why? It's all perspectives. So if you weren't, you weren't an editor and you weren't an agent, what would you be doing? Okay, if I... And I don't ever see myself leaving, but I'd probably still be a lawyer. I always, for some reason, was fascinated by, and I'm sure there's a a word for it, but anything with divorces. I don't know why I guess I'm so cynical. And I just saw that being fascinating, to be in between that. Sounds really stressful, but I always thought I'd be like a divorce attorney. I'd be so corporate. Like my sister, she always (laughs) thinks about law school. She's like justice. I'm like, I'm not justice. I'm corporate, like all the way. So yeah. You're all about the tension. It's all about the tension. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Well, there's probably more of a, there's probably a lot of narrative to that kind of law too. Yeah. It's not dry. It doesn't seem like it would be very dry compared to other kinds of law. So I always thought that would be interesting. The, the yeah. tears would keep it interesting. Exactly. <laughs> the, the stories the would drama. keep it interesting. Yeah, the yes. drama. I always think, of the, I guess it does go back to stories. Yeah, because, come on, how can you not have stories within that world? Yeah, <laughs> it's true. So when you're not thinking about being a lawyer, how do you spend your huge amounts of spare time? Oh, my God. Oh, geez. I watch a lot of Netflix. I need the, because you're reading all day, you know, I, I got my MFA in writing. I don't write. <laughs> and that's fine. I think it's quite painful to write. I think you have to truly love it and feel like there's this urge inside you. I don't have that urge. So I'm blissfully watching TV and getting my stories in another way and just zoning out. Uh, but I don't get out much, sadly. <laughs> I'm kind of a hermit reading, reading TV. <laughs> I do like Broadway a lot. I do When I do get out and I can spend my pennies, Broadway is the thing to do. It's so exciting. Like anything that you see, the curtain goes up and the orchestra starts and you're just like, yay. Oh, I love it. I love it. If I had money, I would just go every week. I really, I would just go all the time. Yeah. Much more fun. we all do. Oh, yeah. we all do with money. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I travel more. It's been a couple of years since I've done that. But I used to travel very frequently when I was rich (laughs) in publishing. Oddly enough, when I was at Random House, I was a lot richer than I am now. (laughs) That's true, that base salary. That base salary, you're like, wow, I was like rolling in that sad, you know, $40,000 a <laughs> So fancy. Oh, yeah, super fancy. You know, I fantasize about winning some contest that would give me free cabs for a year. Can you imagine? <laughs> I never in a million years would have thought of that. But that's, yeah, that's brilliant. That, that's, that's weird. That, that's totally, I love how all the things you could want. I know, that's such a random thing. It's great. <laughs> I hate walking, you guys. Walking is hard. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Yeah, no. You should just be an Uber driver. (laughs) Anyways. I am a horrible driver. Everyone would die. This is is not good. If I was going to do that, I'd be part of Juno, so I'd get, like, a stake of the company. I'm very excited about Juno. I'm not a cab driver, but I think everyone should be excited about that. So, Linda, um, 
when did you know that you wanted to work in publishing? Did you have that aha moment? Or like, like you said, did, was, did it kind of unravel as yeah. you kind of like checked out the industry? I think it was, I never really had an aha moment. I think it was just something that over time I accidentally got better at, <laughs> you know, while just jumping around trying to get a job and doing a little bit of everything. But yeah, after a point, it just became such that when, I mean, I had for like six weeks, I worked in an insurance company. It was the worst six weeks of my entire life. It was terrible. And there were no books. I just didn't, I was like, how do you have an office where books aren't everywhere? Because I got used to that. So for me, and, and, you know, constantly, because publishing is not an easy job, just like writing. It's not, you, you do it for the love of it. Otherwise, you would get out and make money elsewhere very easily. But yeah, I wanted to quit many times because it got so hard, but I always go back to it. Like there's nothing else that I could, everything else to me seems boring or just too hard or it always goes back to boring. I don't know. So I'm kind of stuck. It's kind of like a calling the way writing is for writers. Yeah. It's, it, it's a problem. I, 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 I think, yeah. I think, I think people that want to immerse themselves in a creative world, the obsession mm -hmm. of, of that work and of that space and the people in that space pulls you in in a way that you go somewhere else and you're like, what? Yeah, it's true. It really is a lifestyle. It's not a typical job, nine to five. And again, everyone, you know, when I was in marketing, it was more nine to five. But even then, you, you are really surrounded by this insanely talented group of people, both the writers and the people who are working in publishing. And it's like you get that hit and nothing else kind of feels the same. We're addicts. Yeah, addicts. I think so. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I still get really excited about ARCs. And I mean, my apartment is filled with books. And yet each time I see a new one, I just go crazy. So <laughs> it's nice. It. It's kind of a nice feeling. Yeah. So is there anything you've changed your mind about during your time in the industry? I would say the longer I've been in it, the more I realize how random it is. <laughs> a lot of it, I think, and especially with writers, and, and this is the kind of scary thing, but I like to think it's also hopeful. If you keep at something long enough, you just might get lucky. <laughs> you know, you just keep at it because I see a lot more talented people out there than I am who just gave up too easily. Same thing goes for writers. Some of the writers out there are very good. Some of them have way more talented competition, but they just gave up way too fast. So... I think if I had just given up, I wouldn't be here. So I, persistence is so key because if you, you're there, eventually you hit it, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. I think that's in all areas of yeah. your life too. You know, I mean, that's just a lesson <laughs> for everything. Mm -hmm. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So tell us a story of the first time you saw one of your books for sale. Oh, well, that's actually going to be happening next year, but... I am already really excited now that I've seen the ARC. So yeah, I haven't yet seen it. I can't wait for that to happen. But already just seeing, it's funny, you really do feel like it's your baby too. You know, you feel like, it's almost like you're shoving your client to side. You're going, this is my book. <laughs> you know, it does, it really feels like that. So from the moment, and it's different because I'm so used to being on the marketing side where, you know, it was already there for you. You put the materials together, you promote it, but this is so much more organic. So you're seeing it from its infancy. So looking at even when the cover, like when you see that cover image and you fall in love with it and it becomes real. And then the ARC, I just can't wait for finished books to come in. So that'll be, when does it go on sale? February of next of 2017. It's coming out from Scholastic. So I and can't wait for that. What is it? 
Yeah. It is a middle grade contemporary novel, and it's called Family Game Night and Other Catastrophes by Mary E. Lambert. It's so great. It's uh, about a, and it sounds depressing, but it's really not. It's about a girl who lives with a hoarding family and kind of how do you deal with that sort of situation and how do you make friends and keep them? And she has this five mile radius rule and kind of what happens when one of them breaks that rule wow. and kind of mm. ventures into that territory. I can't wait. Yeah. Yeah. I want to read it now. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, I have, I'm really curious to also see how it's been edited because, again, I'm very editorial, but I, I'm not an editor. So I, I have not read any of the other passes. So I want to read that final pass just to see the change from beginning to end. I'm really curious to see how that is. It's exciting. And of course, <laughs> to see your name in the acknowledgements. That'll be pretty I awesome, know. too. I can't wait. Yeah, it's, it's also exciting. So that'll be the very first. And the other things that are coming out are picture book things, and they'll take forever. <laughs> they yeah. take way longer. So that'll be 2018, 2019. But this is going to be the first baby coming out next year. Yeah. I know. <laughs> I, I like. I, I want to like send you something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Like a blanket to wrap it in. I mean, like <laughs> how wonderful. And I, you know, I just think like, you know, when you have when you see something that goes through the process, whether it's from the writing side or the aging side or the editing side. You know, that that the amount of love that it takes to create these books really is like a child. And, it, and, it, and then it does go on to have its own life. Like you do let it go. It does kind of grow up in its own way and you let it go. And then it is a part of the universe. So it's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What do you wish? <laughs> As the writer, I'm like, hmm. <laughs> what do you wish writers knew about things on your side of the desk? And I'm sure you guys have heard this before, but definitely that we on the other side of the desk experience as much rejection as writers do. And, you know, and it's like I always tell writers to really either if they're established or they're starting out to really try to put on blinders. And I remind myself of this as well, because everyone's always posting about their success stories. And then it makes you feel like you're kind of the one who's losing out constantly. So agents feel that way. Editors feel that way. It, it really is a labor of love. So when you lose out on a project that you see go on to do really well, as much as you're excited about that, you kind of want to cry because yeah. you, you know, you could have had that project. And the same thing with writers. You know, if you could have had that agent that was the dream agent, but you get rejected. And again, most things, I mean, I'm learning more and more, which I didn't realize because again, I'm a newer agent. Like if you sell a client's first manuscript, that's like a big deal. <laughs> I, I just thought like, oh, if I didn't sell this first manuscript, I'm just doing something wrong. But again, it you just have to get used to the no's. So that's what I had to get used to starting out because when I was getting the no's left and right, it's really disheartening. It really, it makes you question your abilities and your taste. And even though you're still in love with this project and you love the writer, we feel, we're just as much in pain as you guys. It's it's a very similar pain. So we're just as excited when it does well, of course. That's true. I, I remember a lot of situations where I fell so hard for something and then I heard that like 12 other agents were offering and oh, yes. two were flying out to meet the author. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. I've lost quite a few projects and it's just, you, you oh, it's hard. And I, I've even spoken to, you know, editors who've, who've told me they've cried and cried over projects that they've lost. So yeah. when... When we fall for something, we fall really hard and we can get easily as disappointed. Absolutely. And it's true. When you love something and it doesn't sell, you're like, what's wrong with everybody? But then, yes. you, but then you also sometimes you're like, what's wrong with me? Maybe I'm seeing something that isn't there. What's going on? <laughs> 
yeah, it makes you kind of like drive yourself crazy in the end. I think just like a writer, as they progress, they have to get more confident in their own abilities. So too does an agent, especially when they're starting out. You know, you you have to have a certain amount of bravado and just keep believing in it blindly until it pans out. So Linda, you worked in marketing for a long time, and we all know this is so important to a writer's success. What can they do? In a short <laughs> sentence, what can they do um, to really help their chances of make it, making that go well for themselves and for their book? So I remember at Random House, we used to have all these sessions on marketing and working with different kinds of authors. You know, you have some authors who are just amazingly good at it. You know, they love social media. They're kind of all over the place in a good way. And you all the way to the random writer who just wants to stay in their hidey hole and doesn't want to come out. So I always tell even clients, really explore and try different things. I, you know, gone are the days when you can just write in your little hole and not do anything. You know, and again, yes, there are some people who've gotten lucky and, and that's amazing. But for the most part, you really do under, have to understand that it's a collaboration. Even if you have the biggest publishing house behind you, it's just not enough. Because think of it. I mean, per season, we had several hundred books. So even if they give you just a piece of that action, of that marketing part of it, you really need to engage with them. And they love it. Like, that's the thing about it. When you are engaged with them, they just adore you. And in terms of marketing, when in terms of figuring out how much you should do, it really does go back to your comfort level. So like I said, if you really try something new, don't just say, no, I don't want to do it. But if, for instance, if I tell a client, get on Twitter, try it, and they do try it, which is great, and they realize they hate it and they're terrible at it, then maybe you don't do that. You know, you find that venue that is the best fit for you. So again, don't join Facebook and Twitter and this and that and drive yourself crazy because it's easy to lose focus. So I would just say, focus on one thing, play around and see kind of where your voice fits best. And know that kind of marketing at this point, it's kind of not going away and try not to get too overwhelmed by it. But it's a lot. I mean, it's, it's easy to get overwhelmed when there's so much being thrown at you. I also really loved a lot of things you said in your class about um, making a manuscript something that keeps people's attention because we have so little time and so little energy and so much coming at us. Mm-hmm. And I was just really impressed with how you boil down so many things that could really help make the difference for a manuscript. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I, it's so funny too, because as I read a lot of it, and you know, it's very instinctive, you know, and the things that you like and the things that you're trying to put your finger on that maybe something's not working or it is working. The MFA really did help with that. I know that I was always a strong reader, but I knew so many people who could just articulate so well these points that I never could. So for just me, and thank God Random House helped pay for it, because it's one of those luxury degrees that, yes, you know, some writers have it. Do you need it? Hell no. (laughs) You do not need it. But, you know, for me, in my particular case, it was really helpful. So with articulating those points, that was really kind of a godsend for me. In today's age of media, everyone has the opportunity to launch themselves. And, um, you know, if you just break it down into simple steps, it is a possibility for, for each and every person, as long as you're willing to go there. Yeah. That's why I always say, too, just try new things, you know, especially with marketing, all that. You, there are so many opportunities. And having said that, that's where it can get overwhelming. That's why just try one thing this time. See how it feels. If that doesn't work, try something else. You know, you're going to find that rhythm for yourself and just focus. I think that's the key thing. Really focus on that one or two things that makes your voice unique and stand out in a good way. 
Awesome. When you were in your MFA, what genre of book did you think you were going to write? Oh, wow. You know, because I went in with a marketing brain, at the time, paranormal was all the rage. And I was working with an advisor, and I was deliberately trying to make my manuscript paranormal just because I was like, well, it's going to sell. And that was actually the wrong thing to do. I learned to try to step away from marketing just a little bit so that it became more genuine of a story. But yeah, initially I was just trying to capture a story that would sell, (laughs) you know, but now seeing it from that perspective, yes, I'm always going to have a marketing brain. You do need to know the trends and know what's going on. But at the same time, I'm not saying stay married to them. And if you're going to stray from those trends, then just know it's going to be a harder sell. (laughs) Don't be shocked by that. But like I said, maybe you'll get lucky, hopefully. Or, you know, wait for that pendulum to swing back that way for paranormal. But right now, initially, I was trying paranormal, but I think contemporary is my comfort zone. And so, yeah. Hopefully, we'll see, but I'm not finishing that manuscript. So. <laughs> I'm just watching way too much TV. <laughs> what are your favorite shows? Yeah, what, what should we be watching? Let me see. I like Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. That yeah. was a lot of fun. What am I watching? I'm watching Ash versus Evil as well. That one, you know, if you like Evil Dead and like kind of corny horror, that's something that you'll love. Luke Cage, Jessica Jones. Mm. Anything that's kind of dark, I'm kind of in that mood for. And I'm totally random because I think we just, my sister and I will binge watch shows. I think we're watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine and we'll really change it up from something that's super dark to something that's really funny. So it just depends on our mood. I, I started Jessica Jones, but I was so traumatized by the first episode that I was it's just like. It's super dark. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's like, I wanted so badly to be able to watch it. But after that elevator scene, I was just like, no. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have to be in the mood for it. You're like, nope, never mind. Yeah, some people I know just could not get past it. I don't blame them, but I, I was raised on B-horror movies, nice. <laughs> so <laughs> all the stuff I probably should not have been watching, <laughs> I watched all that stuff. As a so. kid, they like put the TV by your crib. <laughs> Basically, yeah. Like when my mom wanted me to shut up, she'd throw me in front of the TV. <laughs> but she's such a horror fan and she loves TV, so we kind of bonded over TV. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So tell us something that isn't nearly as scary or hopeless. Or horrifying. As- or horrifying or dark (laughs) as writers fear it really is you know as much as even I can get cynical on this end you know in the end you really are looking to fall in love with that story so we really you know we're not looking at writers and hoping they're going to fail you know when you're approaching us at a conference when you're pitching us we 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 want to find something amazing and again it's one of those things where it's so subjective, know that. So if just because I don't find something that appeals to me, don't give up and know that at some point, if you really feel strongly about it, if it's the kind of book that you would have wanted to read, then surely there's someone else who would have felt the same way. So just know that we're not looking at, you know, because agents do have that. And I've met some scary agents. I'm not going to lie. Yep. <laughs> I've met some that scare me. Yep. But you know, but I've met many more agents who are really supportive and wonderful. And that was a really pleasant surprise. So even people who approach me, and I'm sure with you, Jessica, people approach you and they're like, wow, you're, you're nicer than I thought you would be. <laughs> you know, like, like I, I hear that so much, you know, we're, and we're generally, you know, we're trying to make you succeed. We want to succeed together. So it goes back to, it's all about love. Some money, yes, but love, love. <laughs> Definitely about love. Actually, I think people are kind of surprised when they meet me in person and I'm not that energetic. 
I think I just use a lot of like exclamation points on Twitter. And so people think I have like endless energy and I don't. I'm like, I've always been that kid that falls asleep at the sleepover first. Like I love sleeping and nobody ever froze my clothes, thankfully, or, or anything like that. No, no shenanigans with shaving cream. Like everything was fine. I had nice friends, but um, yeah, I enjoy sleeping. I really enjoy caffeine to like counteract my natural nature. Like it's, uh, it is funny how people like make assumptions about what you're like in person based on your Twitter feed or your, you know, the fact that you are an agent. Mm-hmm. It's true. And I've met so many, you know, now that I'm an agent, meeting all these agents and editors and we're all basically introverts. I mean, there are different levels of introverts. I know plenty of those extroverted introverts and all that, you know, all those combinations. But sometimes, you know, after a conference, we just want to crawl away and just recharge our batteries because I love meeting people. But after a point, just like, you know, throwing a bunch of writers in a room can be tough. We just feel it. We're just as introverted too. So it's interesting. Some some agents are like, how in the world do you do this as an introvert? And I guess it sure would be nice to, to have that extroverted energy. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of us just really, if we had to spend a week doing anything, would probably just want to curl up somewhere with a book, not, oh, yeah. you know, go hit clubs or whatever. Exactly. I mean, I know after a conference, I always have to just recover. Mm-hmm. Just like stay home, read a book, hide behind my computer. And it, it, it's so helpful because, again, I mean, that's days and days of nonstop stimulation. <laughs> so we really need it. But, yeah, it's a weird sort of thing. Like you kind of see age, some people see agents as like these all-powerful, uh, scary, extroverted beings, supernatural almost. <laughs> yeah. Like, so not. We're like, so not. They think we have a skyscraper and we can make lightning hit it whenever we want. And like we have I our wish. town car and we have our, you know, people doing our bidding. And <laughs> Oh, you guys. You know what? Just admit it. You have a plane. <laughs> Maybe one day. <laughs> and supernatural powers too, Julie. Right. You okay. just haven't seen yeah. them yet. <laughs> Well, Linda, this has been such a pleasure. Thank you so much. Yeah, seriously, thank you. you and for everyone out there, we'd love if you hit that subscribe button on the Manuscript Academy podcast. You can also come and leave us a review and then visit us on our site, themanuscriptacademy.com. 